This is Agents Influence Podcast. Venture capital, think of it as maybe some ultra high net worth individuals are contributing, but even more, you know, sort of institutional investors, meaning pension funds, charitable foundations, university endowments. Those are the bread and butter core LPs, limited partners, who have whole teams around, okay, we are a multi-billion dollar charitable foundation. We want the money we have not just to go towards you know, our mission, but also we need it to grow over time so we can continue uh, serving this mission for 100 years. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right out there, you loyal listeners. Welcome to Agents Influence Conversations with who? Jason Cass. And today I have a conversation with Mr. Caribou Honig. You're thinking to yourself as a loyal listener, I've heard this name before. If you're on LinkedIn, you say, I know this name. And maybe if you're on neither of those, you've never heard of them. But you're getting ready to be, have a, uh, a joyous time. Uh, we're going to talk to somebody who's very smart. Um, he may doubt that, but I just want to tell you right now, he is. And um, he looks at the industry a little bit different. Um, I think he. you're going to find out when we talk about insure tech. I like to say indie tech also. Um, we, uh, you're going to find out that Caribou is going to know a lot of stuff. Caribou, thank you very much for taking your time to join us, buddy. Well, thanks, Jason. Really appreciate your uh, giving me the chance to talk to people. People out there, Caribou, are just talking about insure tech and VC carriers and they want profit and they the the VCs are now saying hey you know putting pressure on the insure techs and all this stuff and some of it's true and some of it's not but that's what I want to concentrate on but for some of the loyal listeners maybe who didn't hear you before um let's ask you some questions you an iPhone or Droid user Caribou yeah uh, my uh uh so I'm uh Long time VC now. I find it hard to believe I get to say that, but been a VC for about uh, 14 years now, give or take. Okay. And I um, uh, also have the distinction, uh, I guess, of having co-founded what's now the world's largest InsureTech conference, uh, InsureTech Connect, and uh, bringing together the VCs and the entrepreneurs and the innovation executives. So I'm um, really happy to uh, sort of talk about all things VC and InsureTech, that overlap in the Venn diagram. You an iPhone or you a Droid user? I, I am an iPhone guy. You are an iPhone guy. That's nothing. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Then again, it, you are pretty techie. Um, so, you know, usually those Droid guys uh, follow that, but that's okay. You're like 80% of the other people that are on here and in America. Um, do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Caribou? <laughs> uh, you know, I think to be a really good VC, you got to be someone who loves to win. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna invest, knowing that a third of your investments are gonna crater, and probably another third are gonna just do you know barely okay, maybe you get your money back, maybe you get you know a little bit more. Um, you know, it's really tough psychologically to hate to lose because you know you're gonna lose over and over again. It's really about can you you know be a big winner some of the, some of the time every now and then, so you don't have to care and fret about all the losses you're taking. 
I like that. I like that. Way a way to what a way to um, change that up a little bit because people, um, I love to win or I hate to lose, but you're coming at it as a fact of it is kind of both because I'm hoping you're hoping for all the wins, but you're understanding in your job in your position and you you're gonna it's just the way it is. It's the numbers, right? You're gonna lose some. You, you know that, you're gonna lose. You don't want to drive yourself crazy. It, just overall from a high level, is that about what it is? Third, third, third. You know, it's the easiest approximation for me. And, yeah, and, yeah, you know, okay. I, me, I, I like to think in my career I've done that well. Um, I'll, you know, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> some, some very smart VCs told told me and some former colleagues years ago, like if your loss ratio, which in VC is like, okay, how much you know principal you have to write down, mm-hmm. if it's not at least twenty five percent, then you're doing something wrong. Uh, because okay. the view was. If you're not at least losing, you know, a quarter of your investment, right, on a gross basis, then you're just not far enough out on the risk curve. You're not taking enough risk. I'm only quiet because I love it what you said the the risk curve. Um, so whenever I talk to my new producers and I train my new producers in my agency, the first thing we always talk about for the first two hours, literally, is how everything is risk. This whole world is risk. And there you go talking about it. Um, with you, we say that there's two things that might have got you to where you are. Last question. One is skill. One is luck. What you say has been a bigger factor in your life? That, that's an impossible dichotomy. For sure. It, it, both. I mean, look, is. I got, got lucky to have good supportive parents. I got lucky to be you know, born with a decent bit of talent. Right? I got lucky to be born in the U.S., Right? There's a lot of places where I, with my talents, would go nowhere. Um, so those are all you know, big luck. I, I, I like to think that I do have some talent, some skill, and that that's contributed. <laughs> and I've made plenty of flubs, but also you know, done a couple things. A couple things well. Great example. Hit me. Uh, uh, my prior VC fund, uh, QED, uh, one of our big wins uh, investing in uh, early stage in a company called Credit Karma, which is now sort of a pretty well-known company bought by Intuit uh, uh, last year. And um, clearly some luck there in that, you know, would have easy, would have been easy for us to have never gotten the chance to see them. Would have been easy for us to never, you know, met the the great founder and been able to invest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, fortunate for us, fortunate you know, he did uh, come across to us and uh, and we had the good insight to say, yeah, this is a great company. But not only did we have the insight to recognize it, but there's there's got to be at least a little bit of skill there because this was a company that had gotten turned down by dozens of VCs in Silicon Valley, right? Before he finally made his way to talk to us. So if any of those other couple dozen had said, yeah, I, I like this company. I see the potential. Right? The, the luck would have never come our way. But there's something I like to think about, the skill, where we saw the, the gem here when actually a couple dozen other VCs did not. Right? Mm. It's that sort of uh, going the contrarian thesis. Right. And uh, you know, there's got to be some skill if you have a successful contrarian thesis. Um, but no matter what, there's still luck in having it, you know, having that, that you know, knock on the door in the first place. 
Yeah, when you're making that decision, and thank you for those answers, um, when you're making that decision, Caribou, and you're, and you're looking at this, and you're probably looking at, I don't know, data and all that, is, is belief in the person who's bringing you this idea a major factor in your decision? When you are investing, especially at the venture capital stage, but even if you're investing in Apple stock or you know ExxonMobil, big, big companies, doesn't matter, you are always investing in the leadership there. And, and you see examples out there where different leaders of the company make all the difference. Where mm -hmm. a company can be floundering, someone new comes in and the trajectory changes. You see that in small companies, you see that in giant companies, and you see it the opposite direction too, a leadership change and the company seems to struggle for years. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a sense, it's even more important at the early stage investing in venture capital because they, they don't have the kind of you know, inertia and self-fulfilling momentum that a Fortune 500 company might. So gotcha. we're talking about a company with a couple million dollars of revenue and you know, it's, it's so much, and, and you know, early stages of building brand and reputation, mm -hmm. it's so much more about what that leadership, both the CEO or founder and the leadership team that mm -hmm. surrounds her or him is able to actually you know, do build in the next few years. So it is always first and foremost about backing the entrepreneur. Uh, that's not in a vacuum. You can have great entrepreneurs who still say, well, I don't believe in that idea, or there's, there's some risk that I'm not comfortable taking there, or mm -hmm. you know, uh, it just doesn't fit for what I know and, and sort of have conviction around. Uh, but look, you never, ever want to invest in an entrepreneur that you don't have confidence in, no True. matter how brilliant the idea seems, no matter what the early traction is. If you just can't stand behind that entrepreneur, um, then everything else. Gosh, that's gotta be tough, Caribou. Like you're sitting down and you got a great product or a great service and you and, the, you, you and your partners are like, dude, this is really good. Except this guy or girl's an idiot, right? I mean, that's got to be so tough to know that, right? And you probably have an NDA or something that you just can't take the idea and run off to somebody else. Tell me what that that's like when that happens. Well, well first, it's, it's NDAs are rare in venture, but reputation and integrity still matter. Right? Okay, so you wouldn't well, do that's that. Good. You know, that's because good. it's the wrong way to do business, and you know, even if you could get away with it legally, it's unethical and it'll it'll uh, bite you in the butt eventually. Um, if you try to do that. So I like that. I, I don't think that's typically a, a worry. Um, but look, I, I think that it, it does, by the way, create real cognitive dissonance. So, so to be uh, a VC, you kind of have to have a degree of arrogance. I'll acknowledge that. Um, you've got to believe that you're in a well positioned and, and savvy enough. So, oh, that is a great product and that's a great idea and that's an attractive market and this is a really good entrepreneur. Hmm. If you start to see some of these things that actually don't go together, so, oh, great product and a great market. I really love the go-to go market here. But you entrepreneur seem like someone that I, I don't have any confidence in. I've got to actually dig up, dig deeper in that case and, and try to understand, well, how is it that you entrepreneur who don't, I don't think you're all that great, seem to have come up with great product in a great market and a great business go-to-market? Like, mm -hmm. um, hmm, maybe it's, maybe I'm misjudging the product. By the way, maybe I'm misjudging the entrepreneur. Uh, keeping an open mind around the entrepreneurs is actually very important. Um, you know, there's been a lot discussed and written about uh, diversity and inclusion, particularly in the venture capital space. 
And, uh, you know, I think one of those things is making sure that, you know, we don't overfit pattern matching. Oh, look, a Stanford grad, right, has, uh, oh, look, lots of Stanford grads have founded companies. Oh, look, uh, Harvard dropouts have founded really big companies. Um, if you're not a Stanford grad and you're not a Harvard dropout, then, you know, does my pattern matching start to tell me the right thing or the wrong thing? Wow. And that, can lead, and that can lead you the right way or the wrong way, right? I mean, you really can. Look, pattern matching is useful, right? There's often signal in patterns, right? So, so I don't think we want to be um, blind to signal, but we want to also make sure we're holding uh, any sort of signal to rigor, right? And making sure, oh, is this, is this real or is this just a set of assumptions? Uh, I think COVID actually has been great in one regard, right? There's silver linings to even terrible things like COVID, which is that the, the accessibility of venture capital based in Silicon Valley, right? Sort of massive concentration of Silicon Valley capital has, I think the barriers to accessing that has gone down, at least on the margin in terms of geographic diversity. Okay. I no longer, you know, there, there's sort of anecdotes around Silicon Valley based VCs will say, well, if I can't basically, you know, uh, drive, you know, uh, or even bicycle to your offices, then I'm not going to invest. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a barrier, right? If you're in Louisiana, right, with some great idea, you great uh, product, and, uh, you know, it's hard to bicycle from Silicon Valley to uh, Louisiana. By the way, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, right? So I'm about as far from Silicon Valley within the U.S. as you're going to find. Gotcha. Uh, so, so I sort of, uh, uh, sort of, I, I sort of skew towards. Okay, let's let's think about you know what it means to be you know a Silicon Valley VC or a New York VC versus a Richmond VC, or what's it mean to be an entrepreneur in Louisiana, right, versus in San Francisco. Wow, so many different dynamics that you just don't think about till till you're in there. A lot of our loyal listeners have all had this thought too um, since probably 2016, 2017, 2018, when we really started inventing this word insuretech, and um, which it's I think in the dictionary now. I talked to Webster's yesterday. No, I'm joking. Um, but my question to you is, when does the money run out, Caribou? When do you guys finally start saying? we need a return on this investment. And obviously you are, I'm talking about the industry as a whole, right? Um, is it tougher today for a insure tech startup than it was maybe in 2017, 2018 or 2019? It is so much easier now. Wow. So much easier. So I like to say in 2016, 2017, if you're an insure tech entrepreneur, I, I think you're going to regularly have to answer the question, is it possible to build a multi-billion dollar startup right, company, get an exit, multi-billion dollar in InsureTech? And you know, look, clearly and, and quite, a, quite a few uh, entrepreneurs have been able to convince VCs that the answer to that was, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. to, and, and now we're at the point where there have been numerous multi-billion dollar exits in InsureTech. So I don't think that the entrepreneurs get asked very often, hmm, is it possible to build this giant exit kind of company in InsureTech? Now they are, should still be asked, are you going to build a multi-billion dollar? Why should I believe that you're going to you're do going it? You're going to do it, yeah. Well, that's actually, a, I'd, I'd as an entrepreneur, I'd much rather get asked that question than <laughs> explain why I'm going to do it with this product idea and this distribution and so on. 
Mm-hmm. Then they have to answer the question of, can anyone do it? Well, that's a rather abstract question removed from me. So I'll start with that. And then, uh, you know, look, I, it actually does come to, you, you asked, when will the money run out? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, venture is a very uh, a positive feedback or negative feedback cycle. It just occurs over a five to eight year time horizon for each turn of the crank. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, all the VCs that invested in companies that have now had or are on the verge of having multi-billion dollar exits, right? They're feeling pretty good about themselves, right? They've returned the fund, right, in those investments. They, they have LPs, limited partners, who invested in the VCs who are now like, okay, you guys did a really nice job with that uh, investment in those insure techs. You, you're raising your next fund? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll invest in that next fund. And on the basis, in part of your track record, in part on your track record in insure tech, because you picked and invested in a backed multi-billion dollar exits back when they were, you know, barely more than ideas. Well done. Wow. I think that as long as you have that, um, that success, it begets more success, or at least that success begets more funding in hopes that there will be another iteration or two of additional success. So I think it's, it's uh, a lot easier now that it's, it's really an established category. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit NBS Brokerage dot com cast certified caribou i'm not asking you specifically this question just so that us independent insurance agents like we don't know this vc space right does vc mean that like a bunch of people come together throw their money together and then decide what they're going to invest in or do you go to a bank or to somebody who actually puts the money up with like you guys guaranteeing it just trying to keep it simple in our insurance agent terms yeah i'm just kind of curious does that how's that go so so it's a i might say it's a little bit of neither of those okay Uh, that's fine obviously i don't know caribou yeah no that's look it's, it's an esoteric uh, it's an esoteric <laughs> occupation. It's an esoteric asset class. It's a really interesting occupation. It's a really interesting <laughs> asset class, but it's it's esoteric. So so look, what the first thing you describe: a bunch of people come together, pool their money, make some investments. I, I'd almost call that an angel syndicate. Okay. So you got a bunch of folks who um, I'll say this in the nicest way possible, especially since there are a lot of uh, agents in your listener group, you know, a lot lot of wealthy folks meet over in the the country club uh, over golf and say, well, I keep getting pinged by these entrepreneurs that want some money. So, you know, what should we do? And they they come together and contribute, uh, you know, something, Um, uh, you know, that that's fine. That's actually really valuable and important for a um, uh, sort of technology or entrepreneurial ecosystem to emerge in a, in a locality. Um, but that's not venture capital. Okay. Venture capital, think of it as you know, maybe some ultra high net worth individuals are contributing, but even more you know, sort of institutional investors, m- meaning pension funds, right? meaning 
uh, charitable organizations, charitable foundations. Wow. Uh, okay. Meaning university endowments. Those are the bread and butter core uh, LPs, limited partners, who who have whole teams right around. Okay, we are a multi-billion dollar charitable foundation. We want the money we have not just to go towards you know our mission, but also we need it to grow over time so we can continue uh, serving this mission for a hundred years. Well, let's deploy some of that into Apple stock. Let's deploy some of that into timber futures, but let's deploy some of that into venture capital. You know, sort of we'll allocate a certain amount to this venture capital fund with its managers. We'll allocate some to this fund over here. Wow, they, they I had no idea that's what that could look like. That's amazing. Well, and, and it's really, um, you know, part of it in terms of the fit there for those kinds of sources of capital is that venture not only is esoteric, but it's also a really slow burn, right? It's illiquid, right? And when things go well, when things go well, you don't get your money back for 10 years. Now, when things go well, you don't get your money back for 10 years, but when you do after 10 years, you might get five times your money back. Yeah, That's sure. pretty good. But you don't, you know, you you might write your check as an investor in a venture fund. Five years out, you might see nothing back from it or minimal, right? And you and you can't say, oh well, I got to go, you know, deploy the money for. I need the money back, guys. Can you give it back? And the answer is no, we can't. Right? Um, you're signing up for a long term commitment, having the capital locked up, and a high risk profile too. Back to, you know, at least a third of the companies I invest in are going to go belly up. I just don't know which third. Uh, the, the, uh, but the, the, the fit there is that if you're a pension fund, if you're an endowment, right, uh, your time horizon for the money actually is 10 or 20 or literally 100 years, right? Our, our job managing the endowment for XYZ University is not for the students today, it's for the students 30 years from now. Right. So when you tell me that this capital is locked up for 10 years, but my hope is that I'll get five times as much capital back, well, that's great, that's perfect. So it seems like to me, now knowing that this is just more than if it could be banks or some people getting together, this is what somebody was genius at some point in time and said, Hey, these people, endowments, universities, pension funds, they need to do something with this money. And if we're really good, cause I'm going to be honest, if, if you can make it work a third of the time with some of the money that you're probably putting up, that's pretty good to probably 20, 25% of the time that just blows my mind. Someone said, Hey, someone's got to corral this, right? Someone's got to help these organizations. I could be the one doing it. Caribou, thank you very much for giving us a back end look at that. That was, that was really, really good. And us insurance agents just see this hashtag insure tech. We're like, how did that happen? You know? So thank you very much. Let's get on to something else. Let's talk about insure tech connect. InsureTech Connect is your baby. Uh, is your baby? What is it? I always say his name wrong. Jay Weintraub. I always say his Jay last Weintraub. Name. Okay, Traub. I always say Trub. Traub. Um, and Jay and you, I know from some of the past that this is kind of like your guys' brainchild, whatever. We don't need to get into that. But this has grown a lot. This has really, really grown. What was your reasoning for this at the beginning, you and Jay? And what? And are you there now? Is this doing what you hoped it would do? Yeah. So, so thank you for that. Uh, so, so it really started because I needed the right conference to go to. Uh, I kid you not. So 
2015, I was starting to focus my investing on the insure tech category right before it got into Webster's. And uh, <laughs> I was uh, looking around for a good conference that would bring together the VCs and the entrepreneurs who wanted to talk to the VCs and raise some money and the innovation executives from within the industry, whether at brokers, reinsurers, carriers, what have you, who were looking for, okay, what's next? What are these people, these entrepreneurs trying to build? Who should I partner with? Who should I buy? Or what should I, what should I build for myself? Right. And, um, and I just couldn't find anything that served that need. I was like, well, I kind of need this to exist. Um, and uh, so not that I knew how to actually build it as a conference, but that's where I got, you know, again, skill versus fortune. Right. I, I had the skill, right, to say, well, I need this. Well, yippee, great, good, good skill there, Caribou. Uh, but I, I had the fortune to get connected to Jay, who knew how to create an industry conference like this. Um, he was thinking about building a, an industry conference related to insurance. Um, I, I was able to persuade him that uh, maybe he should build something that fit my needs instead of someone else's needs. And uh, then able to, to to help them do that a little bit, uh, but that, that was really what this is about. It was, and, and you know, often with the best products, it is actually built to to fit someone's need um, mm -hmm. and very specific need, right? Uh, so for the first year, we really use like, okay, the goal is to make it great for Caribou, right? Uh, literally, like not for someone like Caribou, not for ABC. It's okay, I, Caribou. Or, will this be a fit with what you want, what you need? I love it. So that then we'd be able to like, okay, let's hope that if we make it great for Caribou, that it becomes, that there's other people like Caribou too. Right. But and you knew that. Well, it's always almost better to make it great for some narrow population than try to be good broadly. Because if you're good broadly, you're great for no one. And the, I think the best stuff, the best stuff is great for someone. And then you can build from there once you've established greatness for someone. So look, I, I think you asked me, you know, is mission accomplished? And I, I like to think, yeah, I like to think, you know, look, last year was a bit of a hiccup with this whole yeah. COVID thing, not doing mass gatherings. That's kind of tough. Um, uh, so that, you know, and I think we, we did the best we could in terms of some digital content and virtual content and all that. But I, I think we also all know that that's not quite the same as gathering together seven, 8,000 people, right, to mm -hmm. be able to, to get the serendipity out of the event. So, um, you know, but uh, look, I think w we relish, we hear stories after each event about where people met for the first time, often by serendipity right, at InsureTech Connect. Gotcha. Uh, and it can be uh, funding conversations where some startup met the investor who ended up writing their check. It can be partnership where some carrier and some startup actually ended up getting to know each other, discovering each other at ITC, and then they arrange a, a, a business deal. Nothing nothing in my career gives me more satisfaction quite Dude. Than, than those stories. For real. And at the end of the day, it benefited Caribou. And when I say that, I take it away out of just you, though, because we, you did find out, as you said, if this benefits Caribou, hopefully it will benefit the others. It did. So it benefited the Caribous, right? I guess kind of like a, a herd of caribou. Like a herd of caribou. Uh, so so the, the great, great name as well. As you, you're probably told that all the time. So so then and so then this to end this and close this out with InsureTech Connect. 
when do we start to when do we start to bring the 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 three four five man ten man agency that's sitting on two three hundred thousand dollars because we're super successful and we get paid well because we do awesome stuff in this industry when do we start to reach down to them to say it's going to be a slower growth it may not be as fast but uh, we need to go down there and we need to help what we call indie tech, those agents who are feeling they're not being served with insure tech. For, for, and that's not, a, that's not a, 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 a punch against. It's just where the money is and how it works right now. But we have agents who are creating awesome software and then selling it to other agents. And the only thing, Caribou, and this is what I want to hear from you, the only thing that's limiting them from scaling and growing is the lack of a lot of funding. What, what would you say about that, Caribou? Whether you have an answer or not, what does that mean? What do you think about that? Well, a couple of thoughts. Uh, one is uh, a lot of it's, it, look, I, you're asking a, a real and deep question. So yes, I, I understand. A real and deep answer. Okay. Uh, I, I think part of it is awareness in both directions. Right. Uh, I, I think there's an awareness of what's out there, what's available. Right. And uh, I think that the independent brokers, you know, many of them perhaps could actually do some more digging and discovery for themselves around what's available, around okay. what, what, you know, new insure techs are offering new products and would be happy to have a, you know, a small independent agency take them on as a product, right? but they can't, sure. you know, some, some insure tech doesn't necessarily have the ability to go like broadcasting that message out and go knocking on the doors of a thousand small agencies, but, you know, Makes sense. meet them halfway, right? Find them. I think there's also like tools and software, you know, one long-term supporter of, of the event, actually a company called Bold Penguin, right? Which I think yeah. has always been actually about helping to bridge, like creating mm -hmm. a software platform, mm -hmm. actually serving a bunch of independent agents, among others, and carriers, and, and actually making things work better. Good example, Caribou. Good people. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I, I see other startups that are specifically like tying things together for a wide variety of agents. Uh, you know, companies like uh, Broker Buddha is an interesting one out there. Mm -hmm. right? so mm -hmm. I, I think that the, um, but I, I think that in terms of the independent agents building their own stuff and talking about, okay, can I get funding for it? How do I take this software to market? Uh, you know, look, I, I think that uh, part of it is think about what business you're building there, because I believe uh, an insurance agency or brokerage and software business are two very different businesses. Right. One is a real services business and the other is a real product business. And both can be great. Both are terrific, but they rarely should coexist under the same roof. So if, if you, if you're a listener out there and you've got a, a nice, you know, small, mid-size insurance book of business, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's funding your lifestyle in a very nice way and letting you invest in a bit of software and you're building some software, right? And some product there that you think actually has the chance to transform how insurance gets done, gets distributed, gets underwritten, whatever. That's great, but they probably should not be the same business. They probably should not be under one corporate roof. Right. That makes you, sense. And, and you might have to make a decision. Do I want to be, which one do I want to be CEO of? Do I want to re remain as a leader of a small to mid-sized agency 
and hand over the reins of a emerging software business, emerging new product that is not a service business, that is not uh, an agency, hand that over, find some great CEO to lead that and, you know, uh, uh, generate enormous wealth right, uh, on that mm-hmm. basis. Or do I want to step away from running the agency and take my shot at scaling this software business that I've incubated under the roof, under the agency roof, find incubate it there. But if you want to scale it, if you want to make a real go of it, and if you want to get some external funding, you probably have to make a hard choice there about where you're going to put your time and you probably have to separate them out. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. I think that is one reason right there. I think we try to say we don't have the money, but sometimes we're not assessing the leadership that it's going to take to actually step away from one. A lot of independent insurance agents are really truthfully, and they know that I say this because I love them, they're not the greatest business people. They were really good salespeople that decided to go independent on their own, and they've made a good living. And I say this a lot, once again, Caribou, I'm not beating them up, but the reason really probably 50% of the independent insurance agents are in business is because of renewals. You can, you can be a bad business person in this industry and you just still make money by showing up. Um, but with that said, I think there are others that are out there. And I think that that is a great point to decide. Like, is my agency good enough that I could step away from it? Or am I going to have to sell the thing to do that, which does help with more money? Caribou, anything you want to wrap up with? Anything? Where can they find out about uh, InsureTech Connect and stuff like that? Lead them to it. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, probably the easiest thing is if you Google InsureTech Connect, uh, if you misspell it a little bit, Google will probably solve that. And you ought to be the top result when you get something pretty close to uh, spelled right. And uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, one of the benefits uh, of uh, a name like Caribou Honig is that, um, again, even yep. if it's misspelled a little bit, there aren't that many others who will pop up. Um, heck, you can, uh, if, you, if you Google stupid career decision, I'm also the number one result. <laughs> afterward. So, you know, we got that. That's actually true. Um, I'm the number one organic result for stupid career decision. Well, what a hell of a, something to be known for. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a living. Um, but uh, so, so easy enough to find us uh, that way as well. So. All right. Fantastic. I greatly appreciate it. And you are a caribou. Anytime I hit you up on LinkedIn, you're always quick to reply. Uh, if you're a loyal listener out there, understand that he does get a lot of messages, so it may take him some time, but usually he does reply. If you think you need to get a hold of caribou and you need to get a hold of him ASAP, reach out to me. You guys know how to get a hold of me, and I can always relay a message to caribou. Um, so thank you very much. Last thing, I got three questions that I've added since the last time you were on. and Well, actually two. Um, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. I know you're a leader, so you must be a reader. What are you reading right now, caribou? Uh, so, you know, I've been reading a lot of science fiction. Um, it's, you know, it's my, my, my day is taxing enough mentally. So it's nice to relax a little relax. bit. Um, there's a book series, old man's war, um, that, uh, I've really enjoyed. War. And so I'm now uh, on the fourth book of old man's war. Wow. And it's a sci-fi. It is actually another, another sci-fi that uh, I just finished really enjoy. I actually read it the second time just now. It's a book called nod. And I really, uh, uh, really recommend that as well. You're not investing. You're not reading, right? You're probably maybe you and your booers are watching Hulu, spending your time on Amazon Prime. What do you watch? What does Caribou watch? And if he says he doesn't watch TV, there's always something you put on when you're going to sleep or something. But are there any series that you watch? I I watch TV. Um, Actually, right now I'm in the middle of a series. I can't remember if it's 
on Amazon Prime or Netflix. It's one of those two called Atypical. 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 It's actually about it, it's it's fiction, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's about a, a family um, uh, centered around uh, a um, you know originally in at the beginning of the series you know late late high school young man who has a degree of autism, and it's sort of as a series it melds in both um, his struggles and successes as well as the family's struggles and successes, not just related to him. Um, so I, I actually find, again, it's fiction, uh, but it's, it's very well done fictional series. And, uh, I, I think it's actually quite sincere in a lot of ways. Fantastic. Caribou, appreciate your time. Really, truly do. Uh, check him out, check out him, check out Insure Tech Connect. Um, here's what I've been, I've heard from independent agents that went there. The relationships and the connections that they built were really instrumental in some of the things that they're doing as they're trying to reach out for technology. One agent was telling me that he didn't know Hippo. He didn't know openly. He didn't know all of these people that he's always trying to get these, uh, contracts with, you know, these large carriers and they always want these huge commitments and stuff. And he's okay with that. But when sometimes you take on that large commitment, loyalists, and as you know, it kind of it kind of stops you from being able to go other places because they want commitments as well. I'm not saying that Hippo and some of these insure tech companies don't, but they have a different mindset on how to do it. And they give you the more ease of doing business. You know, um, I'm not here for a Hippo conversation, but if you go to myhippo.com, you can get a quote in 45 seconds. You bind an issue in three and a half minutes. I challenge any independent insurance company to say that they can do that. Um, so I really, really uh, want you to think about InsureTech in a different way. Uh, Caribou has, has brought it up to us. And this has been Agents Influence. You know that I, um, what my job here is to take the voices of him and amplify them across the world. So I tell you, tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'll tell the world what you have to say. This has been Cast with Agents Influence, and this is Caribou. You know him because there's no name like it. We're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. 
Give us a call. Check us out. You can ask for me personally. I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.